What's going on, gang? And welcome back to another episode of Scared Normal. Sean and I are sitting down today with our business partner, Whitey, Dwight DeBrew in Espresso Forge. So we're excited to talk about what Espresso Forge is, how it came to be, how we all got to know each other, um, and I guess what the future is for the Espresso Forge business. Yeah, so. I guess before we get started, who is Whitey DeBrew? That's me. I'm yeah. Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> Just for people that don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, my real name is Dwight. My nickname is Whitey because that's the nickname for Dwight. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't have a great story. Everyone wants <laughs> something more than that, but yep, that's it. Um, then my dad's name is Dwight, so I was always little Whitey. Hell yeah. Big D. Big D. Our other business partner yeah. in Espresso Forge. Yep. yep. Um, He's absent today. Doing big D things. Probably has a chainsaw in his hand right now. Oh, for sure. No, you know what he's got though? He's got fresh cheese curds from Ooh. factory in Wisconsin. He's driving them back right now. Oh, no man. Way. Yeah. So, so have, your mouth have, is watering, isn't it? I'll have squeaky cheese curds tomorrow morning. Yep. <laughs> so you're Cheesehead. You're from Wisconsin. <laughs> I am. Yeah. And uh, how do we know each other? Racing bikes. Yep. I think, you know, we have a mutual friend, um, Botsy. We went on his, well, we've known each other for before that, but really- I think it was his bachelor party in Santa Cruz where we kind of solidified the relationship. Yep. Shawnee McGovern was the, you know, bonding piece way back in the day. I remember, yeah. so I bought that 1993 Ford Econoline from Shawnee that I moved into when I pursued racing full time. And you thought I was Shawnee and there's a dude in a car behind me just honking, swerving oh, at me. That's right. And I was like, who the hell is this <laughs> guy? Like, I'm about to BMW. get my ass beat, dude. And uh, you thought I was Shawnee in the yeah, van. And I was you're, messing with you. Yeah. And I like pull up to the shop and you're like, oh, you're not Shawnee. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I've never heard that story before. <laughs> yeah. That was like the first time I like really met him. He was yeah. trying to like run me off the road. So. Well, I always loved Shawnee. He was down for, you know, a good time. Hell yeah. So another, you know, biking friendship. I mean, that's how we yep. started Traction and that's how we started Espresso Forge. It's it's quite funny. You know, I think mm -hmm. we're all pretty like-minded and... So much overlap and like lifestyles and stuff like that. So it all kind of just makes sense, right? To yep. be working together. So yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, I guess, how, how Espresso Forge was found by you guys, yep. you know? So talking about that Ford O'Connell line... Um, I fell in love with coffee. We talked about it on my um, podcast, but in the van, when I was living in that Ford Ocon line, I needed a way to make good espresso and I couldn't pay five bucks a shot. And I was on Home Barista, this coffee forum, and stumbled upon a guy, Andre, who was open sourcing this manual espresso machine. And there's coffee professionals and really you know smart people on there. And they basically went through five versions until they stumbled upon this perfect version of a manual espresso machine. It's built around 58 mil portafilter, like a commercial one you see in the shops. And I was like, I need that for my van. And I bought it, fell in love with it. And yeah, I stopped going to shops. I started saving so much money. And Botsy was at a race with me and he fell in love with it and bought one. He actually bought mine, my original one. When I got back, which he's still using to today, which is so cool. And uh, I bought that. Yeah, how many years has he had that thing? Or I guess how old is that one now? Six I bought years? It in 2015 or 16 when Andre first started. So, wow. yeah, so seven years now. Damn, that's and so rad. I don't even know if he's Every replaced. Day. Yeah. And I don't know. Multiple if he's times a day, it. I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, and then you met up with Botsy, and that's how you found out about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd been friends with Botsy for a long time, and I had owned three coffee shops in the Boulder Longmont area, and one of them was down the road from Botsy's house. And I, I noticed one day he like had stopped coming in. Yeah, I was like, dude, you're not supporting me. What's going on, man? Because you know we're we were doing the rip ride every Thursday night at that point, and he's like, no, no, I got this new 
you know, espresso forge and it makes the best shot you'll ever have. And I'm like, yeah, right. It's you just know? botsy saying botsy stuff. Yeah. Like we got $30,000 machines at the store, you know, there's no yeah. way that this, you know, $400 manual machine can come close. And anyway, this went on for a couple months. He kept talking to me about it, yeah. trying to get me to come over to his house. And anyway, one morning I was like, fine, I'll come over and yep. have coffee with you. And he pulled me a shot on that thing. And it was, I was mind blown. Yeah. I couldn't. You're like, I have a $30,000 machine at my shop and I can't pull a shot this good on this. That's crazy. And with yeah. what grinder was he using? He was using this hand grinder, you know, you know, I don't know, it was a Lido or yeah. something nice, you know, but he's still. But I, it's nice. It's 200 bucks. You know, it's not that expensive. Yeah, no. And Versus he, your commercial ones. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So I was, I just, I, I was like kind of shell shocked. I couldn't believe it, you know? And so then of course I got on the site and I ordered one the next day yep. um, from Andre and was on a waiting list. I don't know, a couple months before I finally got it. Cause he only sold 50 at a time. Um, at that time. Yeah. In little batches, you had yeah. pre-order. And so you get it. And oh, I was so excited. You know, it changed my life because we used to go down to the coffee shop right down the road from our house it was called boxcar. It's still there, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, we kind of started drinking coffee at home after that, you know, and we'd go down to the shop, still be social, you know, but, yeah. uh, it was so nice. Not it's to it's have hard to-, to like spend money on shots or coffee when you can make it better at home. Like, yeah. That's like the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Like, obviously you want to support local businesses. Like you can still buy their beans, but like, it's kind of foolish to like, yeah. if you can make a shot that good at home, like why would you pay somebody to make one half as good? Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, it's funny how simple it is, right? Instead of a portafilter that clicks in that you see at the coffee shops, it's got threads on it. So the basket threads onto the bottom. Mm-hmm. You just pour hot water in. And then instead of electric pump building nine bars of pressure, 130 PSI, you just have a piston. You push down and espresso comes out. It's so simple. Yep. And it kind of blew my mind as well. And I think we were joking about it the other, not joking, but like had the same um, experience when I was on the road with Richie and the Yeti team. We became like the, the espresso house. Like everyone would line up. We'd have like eight people out and we'd be in Italy and everyone's lined up to like drink espresso at the house. And uh, you were talking about working for Vail and you were in your, um, you know, hotel rooms and people would be walking in for the coffee press, right? Yeah. We'd be at a, like a leadership retreat or something. And, yeah. you know, there's always a Starbucks in the building somewhere, but I was like, who wants to drink Starbucks? Yeah. You know? I mean, not when you know what's good, yeah. right? So next thing you know, there was people that I got to network with actually that were well above my pay grade, you know, coming to my room for espresso. So you're making these connections because you're pulling shots for them. Yeah. I mean, cause I love that, you yeah. know, coffee is such a, a social. Yeah. It's such a community based thing. That's so cool. It's yeah. cool too, that people are like hearing that, like through the rumor mill at these like corp- corporate retreats and stuff. It's like, go up to Whitey's room. He's got a, <laughs> he's got an espresso for it. Room 420. Go see him. Dude. Yeah. There's <laughs> definitely days I'm like, man, I got to get to the, you know, the, the, the thing you know like totally. i, I got to get going and there's people wanting me to make them shots and uh yeah but it was fun like so, then after a couple like a year or two it was like we'd go to these things and people be like hey did you bring your coffee you know did you bring the espresso forage i'm like yeah yeah that's oh, so good cool. i'll see you in the morning it was like also like a nice icebreaker when you go see some people that you won't always see all the time you yeah. know because we had people from different divisions from all over the world really yeah so. Do you know if anyone bought any because like on the enduro world uh, series circuit the rocky mountain team bought one I know Giant has one now, Espresso Forge. The Yeti team's got like three of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's a couple of people that reached out. I mean, I'm sure that they did. Yeah. I mean, everyone was really excited about it. Yeah. But, That's so cool. So, all right, you have it. And then let's talk about acquisition. That's what gets me stoked. Of yeah. How we ended up in this building, 
you know, tractions here, the CNCs were already landed, but even before that, you're the one that this all happened. You, you know, contacted Andre to get another locker. And Andre's the, the founder, the original founder. Yep. I don't yeah. know if we've touched on that yet, but. So yeah. let's touch on Andre before we catch in. So Andre, you know more about him, but just a software engineer that was passionate about coffee. And this was, you know, kind of a passion project for him. He started on this journey to make the perfect manual espresso machine because there wasn't one out. And then, like I was saying earlier, he, you know, after five versions of working with the home barista crowd, does it and then just kind of mic drops he walks away and it's like what are you doing so you contacted him and yeah i contacted him well before i get into that i think it's worth noting too that like he would make a version with the goal of making the perfect shot of espresso yep right that was what he was set out to do and he made version one and sold like 50 of them and then got public feedback you know he got beat up a little bit about this and that and uh then he made adjustments and then did version two, sold some, and kept doing that. So, like, it was a very, like, uh, he really put himself out there. And I yeah. really respect well, that. Well, I love know? that it, like, turned into, like, a crowdsourced project after that. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. a community. Like, it's a wealth of knowledge from the community, whether it's, like, you know, home users that are super passionate about coffee or professionals that were, you know, giving feedback as well. And these forums, like, it's yeah. so freaking cool that it, like, built something, like, you know, it's, I, I think that the forge is like the perfect thing of like for uh function over form kind yeah, of thing, you totally. know, and like it's, it's beautiful how simple it is. And like, that's all a byproduct of all these professionals submitting feedback exactly. and like using it and saying like, it makes a great shot of espresso, but adjust this. Exactly. And we're talking like minutia uh-huh. details, right? Like, yeah. and then when he came out with version five, he did it. The community was like. You did it. Yeah. Like we don't got anything for you. Like it doesn't get easier than this. You just made, you just did it. Like the that shot quality is insane. The God shot. And you just created the the machine to make the God shot over and over again. You know. And for those that don't know, he bought was it a Speedy CNC? Brother like, Speedio. Yeah. He has this in his garage. He has a CNC, a lathe in his garage. It's not like he's building his parts and sending them off to China or having someone outsource. He's yeah. doing all of this in his garage. In, in the United States. Which in is North Carolina. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, keep going. So you reach out. Yeah, I reached out to him because I wanted a, a new lock ring um, for mine. And, you know, they have lifetime warranties like they still do, you know. And uh, he had just said he he had stopped doing it. And I was like really sad, you know, because I, I was also on a waiting list for another forge. You know, one for my kitchen. I was just going to keep an extra one in, you know, my truck or something. Yep. Um, he, uh, yeah, he just basically told me he wanted to see if he could do it, and he did it. And then he, yeah, did a mic drop and walked away. And he, he does have another very successful company that, you know, is his bread and butter and his, what he's dedicating his time to. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, and then you start running numbers. You reach out to me, and, you know, we both – you're kind of a numbers guy. All the spreadsheets you make, they always blow my mind. And you're like, hey, man, I ran the numbers, and I think this is a viable thing. I think we could, you know, put a team together and do this. So what was it looking like on your end? We haven't talked about that too much. Obviously, I saw all the numbers, but right. what sparked that to look into, you know, starting Espresso Forge up again? I mean, really, yeah, it started with the the desire. I saw a market need, yep. you know, for yep. excellent espresso anywhere. You know, another made in America product, like things that I think are important to people right now. And um, yeah, like anything, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. It's like you can have a good idea or, you know, shiny objects and you got to be careful what you're chasing, right? You want to stay focused on something that's worthwhile. And uh, so, yeah, of course, I put together all the numbers and yeah. 
analyzed them every different direction I could and I couldn't see a way it didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so then I started talking to Andre and he started giving me more information. Um, and we just started walking down that road. Um, and then, you know, I knew I couldn't do it alone. You know, I needed somebody, uh, strategic, yep. you know, that's where you two came in and, yep. um, you guys have so much to offer, obviously, you know, the coffee industry, you guys are experts at what you do. And, uh, you know, I had my background with the coffee shops, which is different as well. Um, but we had a common love of, of the espresso forge. Just quality espresso. Yeah. And know. I know you're a hard worker, both of you guys, before I even met you, because, uh, I know what it takes to be professional cyclists, you, you know, know, like you're self-motivated, uh, you know, no one's telling you, you have to get out and train or, or try hard or push yourself beyond yeah, you those to do boundaries. It all yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I knew you guys had that. Yep. Right. And I, um, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's something you can't teach. Right. And totally. Yeah. That's a skill slam. that you, you know, I want more people like that around me all the time. Go you know? slam on a crash and get back up and be like, all right, let's go, yep. you know? And yep. I guess one thing I wanted to mention was, um, you have another business, the Gold Hill general store, which yep. has espresso machine is set up and you're one of the first people to start brewing traction coffee on wholesale. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. I'm proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget. I think when you first picked up the coffee in the store, it was winter. And isn't, is Lickskill the steepest, <laughs> steep, steepest road or steep? What is it? County was, road in America. Steepest county yeah. road in America, yeah. which is insane. And my dumbass tried to drive up the hill when there was snowy. With your wife. Yeah. And we were like going up the hill and like. I knew it was a bad idea because it's not that long of a road. What is it? Like three quarters mile. of a mile? Yeah. One mile. It's yeah. not long. So I'm like, okay, if I just like hit it with speed. I can get <laughs> up there. And we were like halfway up and there's like one, like there's a cliff wall kind of thing. And then it's like a steep drop off on the other side of the road. And uh, we started sliding backwards. Oh God. Like God. as the wheels are still spinning forward yeah. and Cheyenne, my wife is sitting there in the passenger seat freaking out. And I'm like, somehow like was able to spin the car around and drive back down and drive up the back way. And I was like, well, fuck this. Uh, we're shipping the coffee up here from here on. Out, <laughs> I had dude. the same. Dude. So I get up there, I go up um, from Boulder up sunshine. And then I go to the you know general store. I drop the coffee off and, I think it was, I forget who was there. And I was like, hey, what do you think about Lick Skill? It was pretty dry coming up, sunshine. She's like, oh, I think it's pretty good. My Mazda had, you know, pretty ball tires. I'm a broke mountain biker, you know, and like, like right as you peek in and like drop in, there's no, there's no heading back. And uh, it's full commitment in a car. Yeah. (laughs) I I literally peek over the edge of Lick Skill and I see an Audi sideways like sliding. I'm like, oh my God. So I like hit the brakes and try to slow down. I'm like, all right, I'm going slow. And then I just start moving, accelerating with my foot to the floor on the brakes. And I was just like, oh my God. And it was, I was like ready to put it into the bank like Mm -hmm. six times. And, uh, it felt like the longest mile of my life because I was ready to just crash my car. Yeah, and that's the one hill. If you're going to go off, you're going to aim for a tree. Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Or the ditch. You're like, I got to yeah. hit something. You, I was going for the ditch. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not even wearing my seatbelt going down that road because <laughs> I need to jump out of the car. And we both had that, you know, experience. We're like, yep, we're, we're just eating shipping on this. Yeah, <laughs> it is now shipping. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, thanks for that. It's been a uh, well, thank you. I mean, our customers, you know, we've been at the store's been open for a long time. And uh, the moment we switched coffee, it was everyone was like, "Hey, what did you guys do different with the coffee?" Yeah, and I was like, "It was really proud." That's I'm so like, cool. "Oh, my buddy owns this roastery," yeah. and it was nice to you know support you guys, but also like it was just a superior product. And, yeah, and we had pretty good coffee before. Yeah, you know, from a reputable, you know, local roaster. Um, but yeah, you guys just knock it out of the park. Thank you, yeah. dude. You know, not to keep going on this, but you know, my dad drinks your coffee now. Yeah, the Gold Hill blend, the the special blend you make just for the store. Yeah. And 
other coffees give him like acid reflux or like it doesn't sit well with him, but he drinks a lot of coffee anyway. And he switched to your coffee and he, it went away. No No way. way. Yeah. So it's like, he's almost, and I was like, he used to get like a, kind of like a little like wheezy cough from it. Yeah. That that's going away too. That's so cool. I yeah. So I don't know what you guys do in your coffee. Listen, but I, man, we it uh, is, we magical. have medicinal coffee over here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but yeah. close enough. Apparently, our coffee is medicinal. So yeah. <laughs> love that for us. FDA not approved. Yeah, true. <laughs> not, yeah. not approved. Um, let's get back to the acquisition. So you know, we run you run the numbers, you reach out, and we need a spot. And we luckily were in. We had know, moved in here. Yeah, and. Soulfrain, yeah. who you know was gracious enough to let us land coffee pallets at this location when we were yep. up in Lyons, was doing prototyping on his CNC for satellites, this and that. Very smart dude, and very thankful of that guy. But it worked out perfect. You know, we're looking for a CNC to buy. Um, we were going to buy Andre's CNC, but it was mm-hmm. too expensive to ship. There was all these logistics with it, and the timing worked perfect somehow yeah. with Soulfrain. Like. Yeah, he was like leaving what his prototyping company that was here in the state because we had just moved in this we moved in in 2020 like february or march of 2021 sorry yeah and he was here still working while we were still or while we were moving in for like the first month or two but that's when the conversation about the espresso forge thing started yeah and then it was like so serendipitous that he was like hey i got a real job um you guys are gonna you are gonna take over the whole building and right at the same time it was like cool we're actually buying this espresso forge thing like can we just buy your cnc machine too so yeah yeah, our for those that don't know our coffee roaster has landed literally 20 feet from a cnc you know across the room so it just worked out perfect and god there's so much about that time just like pulling the money out of you know traction you know i came to you and i was like hey we have this idea you know we were like so close with traction like we talk about it a lot but we've only paid ourselves once with traction and we were like we're, we're back to the point now where we can probably start paying ourselves regularly, but we were so close like a year ago. Yeah. And then, yeah, Sean comes to me and he's like, hey, I think this is something that could be really cool. Should we take the money out of traction? And I was just like, yeah, I think it could be cool. Let's Wait, do it. it. It's so funny. Like, Soulfrain's here every day. And, like, so we take the money out. Like, we needed more, though. Like, it wasn't enough. So kind of yellowed it in the stock market and uh soul friends there watching me every day and then when it kind of came down to brass tacks he's like are you guys gonna really like pay me because you had your end fixed but like soul friend kind of saw me squirming a bit like and, yeah he sees how broke we are like yeah. you were just like uh. and he's like are you gonna have this extra 30k because it was like that last little bit and i was like i promise it's coming and uh, luckily it all worked out but um it was just so funny. I've I remember never, him like just at, like straight up. He's like, are you are you actually going to do this? Like he did not have faith because no. he saw me just like looking at charts roasting. Oh boy. But uh, I'll never like, yeah. I, the coolest part about the way it's all worked out though is like I've never experienced something that was so serendipitous in the way that it all worked out like yeah. very smoothly. You know, like the fact that like we didn't have to look too far for a CNC machine. Yep. Our next door neighbor, the guy who owns the building, like it's a machine shop, the guy that sells machines. So like anything we needed there, like it's just like this weird, like very serendipitous thing that's like it's all kind of been pretty smooth, which was really cool, yeah. you know. But all right, we go from a smooth, you know, transition to what? We have the world falling apart right as we buy this company. COVID hits, boom. Raw prices are through the roof. You know, all these things are kind of coming at a head and uh wasn't that easy. You know, when we bought this from Andre, he's like, oh, the uh, Espresso Forge costs X to make. Mm-hmm. How much more did it come out when we, it was like 
60% more. It, yeah. 60% more. Yeah. And it's actually still climbing a little bit, you know, like sourcing raw materials. It's tapered off a bit, tough. but yeah, it yeah. still keeps going up. And yeah. Like, yeah. And then, you know, we all assumed it's like, okay, like Andre's just going to send us a file and we're just going to be able to like, we have the CNC machine. We see Chris in here working on it. Like Chris is a wizard when it comes to that kind of stuff. So Chris like hits a couple keys on the computer and he pushes the green button on the CNC machine and something really cool comes yeah. out. So we're yeah. all thinking like, dude, look at us. We can do that. Yeah, easy. Yeah. But Chris is like a, a god on that machine, yeah. right? Like I can't believe. And he's been incredibly patient and helpful. Yeah, a godsend in the beginning. Yeah, we oh would have been gosh. screwed without him. Because oh, like we yeah. didn't realize that like, cool, we have this file, right? Of like what the machine is supposed to make, but it's a different machine. So you yeah. essentially have to reprogram every tool, every operation. Like you have to make it relearn how to make the Espresso Forge, which we were not necessarily expecting so from the no. jump you know we were we found out really quick like we we maybe bit off a little more than we could chew yeah. and for, for those that don't know whitey is our head machinist and how much did you underestimate that work oh, like 80 100 i mean before you even go yeah. there like how many times have you ever touched a cnc machine before never bought this company <laughs> I, I mean no never yeah i, I have a, a history of working with you know woodworking yeah and you know decent mechanical aptitude i guess but yeah. like the cnc machine holy cow I, w I underestimated that i mean i can't explain how much i underestimated that that yeah. you know if you go look back and look at my spreadsheets and projections and all yeah. that stuff the, the stuff the numbers we're pretty much on point yeah you know as far as like how the percentages correlate to each other and everything like pretty dialed but this production thing i thought we were going to be hitting green buttons and just pumping <laughs> these things out and wow you know the amount of work and trial and error, yeah. I guess, and like just blood, sweat, and tears, if you will, go into getting that machine to the point where you can hit the green button. Yep. It's insane. Well, you guys see it. I it's mean, those days yeah. I'm like, I'm afraid to hit the green button half time. Yeah. Remember the one time I had the Z? Zero oh, yeah. Wrong, like 10 inches and too it low. sounded like like electricity or something. Like just lightning. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were like, oh. So those that don't know, when your Z axis, it's the up and down axis on a CNC. If it's the wrong um setting if you have it wrong it'll just dive the bit into the table and just crash in and that's what yeah, happens because they like the machine doesn't know how to stop you have to tell it when to stop yeah, yeah right? it doesn't know where the steel is yeah. in space was like, it was the problem you didn't have it homed at the right spot like it didn't know where to go or something well, i was supposed to subtract that 10 inches from uh, the table height yeah so i like so i tried to go 10 inches down yeah 10 inches and you know a quarter of a millimeter is a lot yeah, yeah. you know and well and i think you know it's this was 10 inches <laughs> but it's probably know. worth noting too, like, you know, as we're going through these initial steps, like how many freaking bits on the CNC machine were getting broken. And like, you yeah. know, we came into it like pretty strapped already with cash, like knowing like, hey, we had to buy all these pieces of equipment. We had to buy more equipment, you know, pretty quickly. And here we are just breaking bits left and right. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're like a hundred, $150 each. Mm -hmm. and, and stainless steel is not the easiest thing to work well, with. I it tell was, you, anyone who doesn't, you know, stainless steel is really hard to work with. It's not meant to be machined, right? Like, yeah, not like hard. aluminum or other materials where it's pretty easy. I mean, stainless steel is very difficult. Yep. And anytime you buy something made of stainless steel, like you will pay a premium. And yep. and I, I understand why now. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. And I, but well, it's hard to know that unless you try. It's that perspective it. thing, right? And I think that's why, like, one of the reasons we wanted to sit down and talk about on this podcast, too, is, like, you know, I've seen it in, like, Facebook comments or whatever. Where people are like, this is outrageous how much this thing costs. But 
when you sit here and talk about how hard it truly is to machine yeah. three or four food grade stainless steel, it's pretty insane. Well, you think about we're not just sending this file to China and yeah. coming back with a bunch of cheap plastic stuff or coming back with steel. We don't know what's in the, what actually is in there. Yep. Because, you know, it might look like stainless steel on the outside, but what's in the middle of it yep. could be lead or something. But and like, that's a very common thing with metals coming from yeah. overseas. You know, it's, I, we have like certificates for each shipment we get. Right. And, but you know, we're buying a three quarter inch solid rod of stainless steel and we got to cut that into those discs. Yep. I mean, that alone is a huge process, yep. you know what I mean? And then you mill it all out to, you know, take the shape it ends up in. But, you know, the, the amount of, yeah, it's funny. The lock ring looks like the simplest, most inexpensive part it of the It really forge, does too. But it is 100% the most difficult, expensive and difficult piece on the whole forge. That's so crazy. It's funny when I posted about Espresso Forge and, you know, acquiring the CNC, I, all these machinists kind of step out. It's like, watch your Z-axis. I've oh, crashed really? that. And like, dude, so many people like... <laughs> It's a thing. Everyone's done it. And I don't know. I got to say from when we started to where you are now, just seeing you in Boulder day behind the machine, just like ripping code. Yeah. Like, I feel like your learning curve is like the highest I've ever seen in writing this, that, like the time you've put in has been insane. And I mean, does it feel like it? I mean, today I mean, it, it's like, it doesn't feel fast, but I, I, I am getting the hang of it for yeah. sure. Like I'm, well, it just, yeah. It reminds me a lot of like the whole situation with us with when we started traction and the design thing. It was kind of the same thing where it was yeah. just like, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And like, I would have never considered myself a designer. Yeah. Whereas now I'm almost four years into doing that. And I'm like, okay, I'm a designer now. So like, yeah. think about four years from now, like how good of a machinist you're going to be. Like, yeah. that's like the cool thing, right? It's like these skills that you didn't go out and want to like learn, but inherently like through the business, you're like forced to do them. Yeah. And I think it's also really cool. Like if we ever outsource the manufacturing to someone he probably in the United States, of course, but like if we ever outsource it, it's sick that you know how to do that because then you can like call people out when they're over quoting or whatever it is, you know, you yeah. can really, you know, the process now, like that's, there's a lot of value in that in business. I think is like controlling every piece of what you're doing. Oh, for sure. Like we got a one quote from one guy and it was like astronomical because he said it would take so long per part. Yeah. And I was like, I'm making them and you know, this amount of time, which is a fraction of what you're saying. Yep. And um, we weren't ready to outsource to him anyway, but you know, it's just interesting Yeah, to be able to have that confidence, be like, no, yeah. that's, you're not, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Now. I know how to do this just as well as you do. So don't yank yeah. me around, which is a cool thing, right? Like, I think that's a big thing. I wish more people in smaller businesses would take on. It's like, you know, we were kind of forced to do it because we are so bootstrapped, but like, it's cool that we will always have that knowledge with us through the course of this company, whether it's, yep outsourced to somebody or an employee doing it we can always come back to being like hey you're doing this wrong or you're doing this great you know either right. way but you know i've worked i know we've all probably worked for people where they're calling shots and they have no idea what they're even talking about right and the, the expectation isn't there so the fact that we're fortunate enough to be kind of professionals in each field of what we're doing that's that's unique totally and i think that shines through in like the finished product as well 100%. you know like one of us is touching every single one of these which yeah. is insane pressure testing everyone and i guess going back to like the work that you've been putting in you know we found out that the lathe was maybe a better route for us to start making this with like you know the lock ring threading like butter and so you had to restrip all those drawings down and rebuild them for a lathe right yeah i mean actually a lot of the original code we bought was we're not even using today you know we're yeah. using parts of it but uh 
we have redesigned a lot of it to improve it, you know, into version six, which we're selling now. Yep. Um, yeah, the threads, they start easier. They feel super smooth. There's that lip on top in case you drop the forge. It won't, yep. won't wreck the threads. I made that mistake once. Yep. Yeah. You were, you were on the beach though, right? Yeah. In California or something? Yeah. So I was in, yeah, in California pulling shots and we were shooting some photos and I had a forge sitting on top of a, a kettle, like preheating. And um, somebody, it was in the back of my friend's sprinter van and somebody pulled the side door shut and the fan shuttered and the forge toppled off and like did like a cartwheel and just the thread straight on the blacktop pavement. Nice. And I was just like, whoa, man, that's bad. You know, but the fact that it is stainless from 304 stainless, I literally, it like was kind of rough threading on and all I took was a little pick to the threads and like fixed it immediately. And like we were pulling shots 30 minutes later. So like that's like cool to know how durable it is. And then like in unintentionally, like shortly after that you you were already working on adding that lip and you're just like well that won't ever happen again yeah, and it's cool benefit. i love yeah. it and yeah. what i want to get into obviously starting businesses it's very exciting in the beginning it's so cool but you know we knew the lathe was the better route we redo all these drawings we buy a lathe to do it on and boom what happens <laughs> We got a bad lathe. We got a bad lathe. We and got, we got a big old paperweight sitting paperweight, over there. A $15,000 paperweight. And we were already strapped for cash. You know, like we have no funding. We've self-funded this company. And we have, you know, 15 grand in this lathe we thought was kind of not our saving grace, but like, you know, the product was going to be better. The UI was going to be better. And we have three different companies to come check it out. No one can figure it out. It's still not fixed. And, uh, yeah, what was that like? Because you were the one kind of heading that out, and it was extremely frustrating. Because yeah. you know, I, I'm not an, an experienced machinist, so I was depending on other people. Yeah, um, and and I asked around, like you know, I showed a number of people the lathe, like, oh, this is a great lathe, you know, and and then the guy, we the the broker, yeah, that we really counted on, you know, to trust and like. I needed it to talk to Fusion. It yep. was the big thing. Which is the software that is used to yeah. read the code that yeah. we bought from Andre. Yeah, because you, you make adjustments in Fusion. You can send it in the proper G code, which is what the, the code that the computers read for you know machines. And it has to be specific to that machine, right? And this machine simply was so – the computer on it was so old it wouldn't talk – wasn't it fusion like, at all? It, the, it never was the possible. G code that it read. Wasn't it like the one version just before like what fusion can talk to too? Wasn't it like just so close? It like, was like really one of the yeah. original G codes. And so I ended up going in there and actually hand coding. I don't know if you guys remember Dude, this. It's like, like hundreds. Li- literally, hundreds of lines I was learning what like literally Whitey was standing there with a, like uh like a legal pad with all the stuff written on it and typing it all in for like three or four days straight. Oh, and, I, and I got it to work. Yeah. And I was making parts. And I was like, it was funny. I was starting to make G code jokes to my wife and she's yeah. like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but it's funny. Yeah. And, uh, but then, and then we got, I made like, I don't know, a dozen of those, the cylinders. Water cylinders. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, we were really, it was really rocking. We're like, okay, cool. We can live with this. And then the circuit board fuse blew and everything was wiped out. Yep. Yeah. And then now that's been the problem where, well, whatever, we don't want to talk about the problems. We're still dealing with the lathe, but I don't uh, know. It's, I mean, it's still, I don't know. It's part of it though. I it mean, is. I, that's the thing like that, you know, kind of what this podcast is centered around though, is like yeah. talking about not just the good parts of business, but like, it's also like, this is real shit that you're yeah. going to have to deal with, you know? And like, it's, it's frustrating. Like 
all of us have been banging our heads against the wall because that thing exists and it's sitting out there. In fact, every time I walk by it, I just want to kick it because it's right. still here. Like yeah. it sucks. Well, but. that's one thing you don't factor in when you when you want to start a business, right? You talk about my numbers and stuff. You're like, yeah. cool, if everything rolls smooth. But then there's like the factor that you can't account for. No. Like, like, you know, we I put a time to every forge, right? Yeah. I said, we should be able to produce X number of forwards per week. Um, you know, and I, we had it all projected, right? But what we're not taking into account for is how many hours and days have we spent trying to fix yep. the brand new lathe, well, not brand new, but the newly used lathe yeah. we bought, right? Like, so like huge distraction. Yeah, it's so like now a we're huge not opportunity lost there, right? Because yeah, we're yeah. not focusing on like the bigger picture. And it's like, somebody told me something one time that kind of reminds me of like this situation, right? And it's like, there's like three circles in business that are very important to remember. And the smallest one, the most inner one is the things that you know that you know. And then the next one is the things you know that you don't know. And then the third biggest one and then this gap between the two inner circles is the things you don't know that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's like exactly what we're talking about here. It's like yeah. there's so many things that we can account for or say, hey, we need to learn that or we need to get better in these fields. But then there's this whole gray area of shit where you're just like, I mean, fuck, the roof could fall in today. Yeah. That's yeah. part of what you don't know. And the lathe falls into that category because we we had no idea. You would uh, never think. You would have, yeah. I mean, nobody would have known like that it was going to fail the way it did, right? Like right. the circuit board fuse went out and basically like, fried the whole thing. And like, but you couldn't have, nobody could have predicted that. Yeah. Right. So we, the company we bought it from, they brought people in and three companies looked at it and they all still couldn't figure it out. And we got a refund of half of it. And they're like, you know, we still had to eat 8,000 or whatever it was. And it's like, you figure it out. And we had some more people in until, you know, we started talking about it and I was like, what, you know, where do we go next? How do we get this thing up and going? Because we need that money. Um, yeah. And luckily figured out it was a feedback loop error. And we knew, you know, I, as an electrician, started switching all the cores. I got the X axis to move using Z axis whip, yada, yada, yada. And we're starting to figure it out, but it's almost frustrating. You know, it's like you have these professionals and it's just like, yeah, we'll change out the drive. This, that's going to be five grand. It's like, you didn't even troubleshoot. You're just like throwing shit at the wall and well, seeing you, if it works. Yeah, you figured it out. Yeah. What the problem was, like yeah. you deducted it on your own, which they couldn't. Which which is it, which it, is bizarre. It, it because, took me two hours. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's like anything, right? Like I was, when we had our heater out here went out this winter, and it was like zero degrees outside. It's freaking freezing, and like if the room is not like at a decent like ambient temperature, like the CNC machine doesn't work right, yeah. and like all these issues, and like. You know, we like hit up our landlord and he's like, oh, I'll call somebody. And like, I was talking to my buddy who's an HVAC and he's like, oh, like, you know, it ended up being the fan was stuck and Sean yeah. just had to like spin it and break it loose. But my buddy that's an HVAC, he's like, oh, dude, nope. Even if they could have broken it loose like that, they would have just replaced it, the whole motor assembly. Yeah. And it's the same thing we're dealing with out there. It's like not a lot of people want to come in and troubleshoot. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. how can I get the most money on labor and how can mm -hmm. I sell you something new and like not have to spend six hours troubleshooting. But the thing know? is they would have replaced those drives. Like we'd still be in the same boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was in the motor. It wasn't like the, it was getting electricity. Like, you know, I tested just followed electricity. I saw if it went from the screen to the disc or to the drive and then from the drive to the servo. So it was getting all the way to the servo. So it's like, all right, the servo is bad. Took it apart. You know, the tack lead was good. All the leads were good. Like, all right, tried to spin the spindle and it was locked. And I was like, oh, the spindle, like the magnets in the servo are bad. And long story, but found the place that, you know, made it and sent it back to them. And it was just, yeah, it's so stupid. 
that you're going to just change stuff. Whereas like I get if like a, they know a motor's bad yeah. to like just replace it. Totally. But um but it's go, like yeah, the troubleshooting like I mean that's thousands of dollars if not tens of thousands of dollars that can be avoided. Yeah. Over a simple little part. My, one of my favorite things that we troubleshot was our um three-phase compressor went out and oh, yeah. we didn't have much money and you know to change that we called them like oh you have a phase missing so there's three phases of power and it was doing this weird stuff and you know we were bending copper and like took it all apart and got the yeah because the piece was like 1200 bucks right this, like that there was like a pid board or something in there that we needed to replace it was a metal contactor yeah mm-hmm. or magnetic contactor and it was yeah nine hundred dollars like a thousand dollars and it was just like it was such a simple part and just both of us sat down for the afternoon and fixed it but it's funny yeah. as a small business you have to do those little things right it's like all right if we would have fixed the fan fix the you know contactor in that we're talking three grand at least yeah, and then the minimum. servo that's like probably 10 i would yeah. say at least seven grand and it's like where would we be right and what's now? hard about that for me is like you need to be thinking high level right yeah. and see the big picture of your business to drive it forward and what things like this do is they draw you into the weeds yep i mean even us right now like look what we're look how much time we're still talking about this, this yeah. damn late yeah you know what i mean it's like those are the things like in business when you're starting out especially like there's no one to turn to yeah we don't have like a, a maintenance department yep. or anything like shit we don't even we have gotta, an employee to be like hey can you focus <laughs> on sweeping the floors today so we right. can get this done like it's literally literally it's us i'm in there yeah. fucking cleaning the toilet you know what i mean yeah. like, but what the thing is like all right we're out there messing with that contactor the fan the lathe it's taken me away from roasting you away from marketing attraction you away from the pub it's not like we just have espresso forge it's like it yeah. amplifies immediately like the stress and i think everything about it just is exponential because we have other things going on in our lives and people always talk about how hard is a start a business and like the startup and, like it's kind of hard to see what they mean by that but it's like all this noise. Yeah. The stuff you don't think about, you can't expect, you know, the outer circle of what you were yep. talking about, Mike. And I mean, you all, I don't know how you factor that in. You just have to be aware that it's going to happen. Yep. And if you jump into something that is unknown and risky, like you're in it, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. One like, thing just along for the ride. And like, yeah. I mean, I have a friend. I'll let you, you go. Sorry. Are you talking about Alex? Yeah. yeah I was about to say, yeah. I, I think about it almost he, every yeah. day now. We were like driving home from us riding the skate park one day and we were just talking about business. And my buddy Alex is like a very successful dude in business. Like he has created one of the most um, award-winning ad agencies in history, which is so cool. And uh, he has like some, the most of the words that come out of his mouth are so valuable. And the one thing he said to me was, I was talking about how something was like fucked up with traction or espresso forge or maybe both. I can't remember. And he was like, if you can just get in the headspace of just knowing that something will always be fucked up, that that's never going to go away. You you might solve the problem tomorrow, but there's going to be a next one, that, another problem that follows that one. If not multiple problems at once, like there will always be something fucked up. He's like, maybe right now you're stressed out about money, but you know, a week from now, like your building could burn down. Like there's just always these things that you don't know are going to come around the corner. And like, if you can just live in that and be comfortable with shit coming at you all the time, then you're going to be successful. Yeah. I think that's good advice for life. I literally yeah, just think life about in it. general. Right? It never gets easier. I don't think I, yep. I talked to my father-in-law one time who I think has it all together. Right? Yeah. I was like, Oh, I can't wait till I, you know, got it all figured out like you. And he's, and he's like, he's, yeah, no, nah, dude. He's like, it never happens. No, it just changes. He's like, it never happens. It's that, you know, okay. we did it. We did a traction t-shirt a year, year and a half ago. And the, the, quote on it was control is an illusion and that's like kind of loops back into what we're talking about here it's like 
everything you think you have under control never is. It's like one little millisecond from going insanely out of control. And like, especially with business, you're always fighting that balance of like being in control and like also hanging on loosely. Cause like, if you're trying to force too much stuff to work, like you're going to fucking lose your mind. Totally. Well, let's get back on track with Espresso Forge. Um, Kind of what's next? I mean, we have a lot of cool stuff, but as we know, a lot of the prototyping and machining is taking a lot longer to make it perfect. I mean, we could have pumped out a couple of things, but then we figured out changing the radiuses, you know, by that little bit, just make it feel so much better. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously we have the accessory kit. We have a, you know, the Weiss distribution tool where you stir the grounds in the, um, the espresso grounds. So they're more consistent. You get a more stable coffee bed, which leads to brighter, sweeter espresso and less astringency. We have new tamper coming out, a funnel, just all those things to make espresso prep better. Um, we have the aluminum version coming down the line, but that's pretty far out at the moment, right? Yeah. First, we're going to figure out, well, we got the WDT tools yep. today. Uh, we yep. made, we're finished making those. You were, you were drilling some holes, Sean. It was nice to see. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, if you're watching, somewhere. we'll uh, oh, that's right. hold it up there. This is what the WDT tool looks like. So yeah, it that's, feels uh, good. That's yeah. Whitey's baby there, which is pretty cool. It's cool to see like something like that come from like yeah. being on a computer screen to being like a realized product in real life. Like I think about that all the time, like for myself when I make design work. Like even like we were talking about it on the last episode yeah. that Sean and I did about these traction snapshot cans. How crazy it is to see like that come from like a computer screen to like holding it in your hand. So like that, like I know how good that feels to like yeah. see that final product and like how cool it's going to be when we can like actually put that on the website and like yeah. sell them. And that's going to be. Yeah, do you remember rad. when I was making it out of Delrin just practicing? Yeah. yeah. I, like, Delrin, I grabbed yeah. all these like uh, samples in here. I was like, we wrecked so many things until we got it right. So yeah, it's really good to see this. Dude, and it's crazy. We started working on the um, tamper right before I left today. So uh, I almost want you to tell him about the radius change, the 1.61, just like the small things that, you know, add up to a lot. Like that's why this thing's taken so long. It's it's like, like, but it's like those little things too, like the radius things, like, you know, that's a number that I'm well versed in because of design, but it's like something that, you know, you told me that Frank, that's who's been helping out recently with all the espresso forge stuff, like kind of got onto YD about like, no, it has to be this radius because, you know, and it's like, it's those little things that you just don't know until you're in it. And like, yeah. what is it? 1.61? 1. 1. 1.61. What is, yeah. is that? Does that rule have a name? It does, but I can't remember. I know it's it. the same thing like, you know, snowflakes and yeah. You know, yeah. leaves, you know, they all have like the same shape over and over again, repeated in nature. You know, mm-hmm. there's that, that number that it, you can reduce it down to. It's, I think it's, it's one, the golden ratio. The golden ratio. Yeah. yeah. So this WDT tool was. I mean, we had it designed pretty well. Yeah. And then we went in with Frank, went in one day and was like telling me about this rule. And we re- redesigned, just made small tweaks to everything. So it met all those rules. And it was amazing how like visually it looks better. Feels better. It, it feels better even looking at it. Yep. And then, yeah, in your hand, it's just like well balanced. And um. but anyway, it's the detail, right? Like it's going to feel good. Well, there's like- I'm in, excited to sell these because- This is something we talk about a lot on this podcast too, is like there's intention behind the design. Right. And like, same thing with like everything else that Espresso Forge is, every piece of it carries intention. Mm-hmm. So it only makes sense that that WDT tool also has intention behind it in terms of the way it's designed. Like, yeah, we could have just made a WDT tool, but using the golden rule to make it feel better in your hand and look better and be just overall the best WDT tool that we could create is huge. Yeah. And like, 
the forge itself was designed with the perfect shot of espresso in mind, right? Yep. Like everything else was an afterthought. It was like, we want the best shot. And that's what Andre did. Yep. This WDT tool, like I didn't start off with, or we didn't start off with saying, what's the cheapest material? What's yeah. the easiest to make? Like you could have 3D printed this thing and been simple. Yep. But no, we used aluminum machine from solid, you know, stock. And those holes are hard. Like you drill them like, and then now getting those needles in there and bonding them in the right way, like really challenging. Like I think oh, last week I was telling you, I was like, I know why no one's making a WDT tool this quality right now. Yep. Yeah. Because it's it hard. hard to make. And, yeah. and now I get it, but, but here it is. And now we've got it all figured out so we can make them. Yep. Um, and it's repeatable and scalable and it, it, I, we did it, but it was like, it's just like, it's the intention you're saying. I, yeah. I never really thought about it actually. That's like the hard thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of everything. I mean, it's been the whole kind of theme with traction from the beginning. And now it's kind of carrying over into espresso forge. Like every piece of what we do is like carrying that bit of intention. Like, yeah. Think about how many times we've sat in a room and like kind of yelled at each other about like how we're going to make a web page look or whatever it is. And it's like, well, it's because we're really trying to get, you know, how can we say the most with seeing the least and how can we make it look really good? And like, how can we represent this company at the highest level possible? Yeah. You know, and that starts as simple as something as our logo all the way down to this WDT, all the way into the forge, like all the way into the way that we're going to events and conducting ourselves, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we are very intentional about all of those things. So it makes me feel good about the product at the end of the day. Totally. Before we move on, can I just note how hard it is to say WDT over and over it and over? It is really hard. <laughs> I just wish it was another name. But I feel uh, like I'm drunk every time I say that I, word. Yeah, like I, I have like, to like <laughs> slow my brain down for a second because I just feel like I'm like... Duh, 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 duh. And then the people that don't know it, like, what did you just say? Uh-huh. I, that's why sometimes I'm like the Weiss distribution tool. Yeah. It's just... That's easier. almost hard to say too, though. Yeah. I know, but it feels less mumbly to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. But... um. Let's talk about the aluminum version. It's something I think we're probably a year out from, but something I'm very excited about. Um, obviously, it's going to drop the price point significant. Yes, it'll be the same design. Yeah. So the same shot quality should come out of it. Um, aluminum versus stainless steel is a way more affordable to buy the raw stock and yep. much easier and quicker to machine. Yep. Um, and since we're machining them right here in Boulder County, like that makes a big difference to us, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, really excited for the aluminum one to come out. Um, yeah, the price point will be shooting for 250 or somewhere yeah. between 200, 250. So it's like, yeah, that's be the most affordable one. But if you do drop it, it will die. It's not going to have the, you know, it no. won't carry a lifetime warranty. We'll have like a limited lifetime warranty. I mean, we're still, we're kind of talking through this right now live actually, yeah. but yeah. you know, we, we have to figure out, you know, cause we know it's not going to be as durable inherently just because the material is not as hard. It's easier to work with, which is great. But yeah. yeah, we still have some stuff to figure out there. So there will still be perks to the uh, stainless steel yeah. version, but either way, I mean, it's funny. People say it's expensive when yeah. i was in my van i was like i have to get this thing it's yeah. so affordable for what it is like the shot quality for the dollar purchase like i would 10 times buy this over yeah. and what like, does it cost you like a dollar 25 a day or something silly i think a shot's like 60 cents and i know we should figure out like the like, math on it on like market value for a shot of espresso and like if you had a shot of espresso at the cafe every day like how yeah. quickly you could pay this off we need to like actually figure that out i mean yeah it's like let's say five bucks a day Yep. Yeah. I mean, at the coffee shop, that adds up quick. Yeah. Because I think if both were on the side, I would still buy the stainless one just mm -hmm. because I see it is like what I want. And like, if I want to drop, just well, like lifetime warranty. Well, I think warranty. too, like, I mean, 
you know, we're all avid, you know, adventurous outdoor people. Exactly. I think that's where the stainless steel one will still be very applicable. You know, the, the aluminum version is going to be incredible for, you can travel with it too, but it's, it's going to be a little more delicate. So like, if you're just pulling shots of espresso in your kitchen, like that aluminum one is perfect. And I think it's probably a good segue to move into talking about pulling shots in a kitchen talking about, you know, a home stand that we're working on. I want to add one quick thing before we yes. move off of production. I, I got, we got, we can't move on without talking about Frank. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Chris was very impactful, super helpful. And I don't know where we'd be without him. Yep. And then Frank came yeah. along. Frank and Vogel like, is the absolute man. I mean, the man. I don't even know where we'd be without him. Yeah. I'm glad you stopped. I'll tell you because, where. Like, we'd be up shit creek, man, without a motherfucking <laughs> well, battle. Was, you know, we would that be nowhere positive. For those that don't know, like, Frank came in when the lathe was going to shit. <laughs> Everything was kind of falling apart because we had this paperweight. We spent so much money on it. And Frank came in and just, like, did research on our product, figured out where the kinks were, how to fix them. It was almost mafia style. Yeah. I was like, what does he want? Like, I know. What, we, is the, we, what is the ask? I remember standing out like, you know, the machine area and the rusting area is like 20 feet from where we're sitting talking right now. And I remember standing out there, all three of us just being like looking at that lathe being like, what the fuck? And like, I don't know how like the Frank thing came to be. It was like all like happened in such a fast way. And like, you're telling us what's going on in me and Sean are like, well, what does this guy want from us? And you're like, he's just stoked that this yeah. is a cool product. And like. And yeah. he, he makes amazing espresso on his own already. He's got yeah. a machine and, you know, he wants to make the best shot of espresso. And I think he sees that the Forge can do that. And he's helping us, you know, dial it in. Um, yeah, but I kind of threw a Hail, Hail Mary. We were definitely a desperate mode yeah. when that lathe died out. And, uh, you know, I used to, he used to make Maverick bikes and I used to race for him back in the day. And that's how I know him. And he was always really good to us then. And, um, yeah, so I just reached out. I hadn't talked to him in about a year and a half or two years. Like, Frank, we got this thing going on. Like, yeah. you're you're like a machinist, the best that I know of, you know, and have done all kinds of amazing things that we all still benefit from today. Like, totally. all, all mountain bikers benefit from the stuff he's done. And uh, yep. for those don't know, don't know, he's on the patent for the seat dropper, right? I think, uh, yeah, him and Paul. I think him and Paul. That's yeah. so crazy, dude. And yeah. Shawnee too. Shawnee McGovern. Yeah. But uh, that's literally like the biggest game changer in, in mountain riding, yep. you know? Yep. So like, it's so cool to know that it's like those dudes that were behind that. Yeah. I want to step back to when Frank's first started helping with design drawings, you know, kind of owning our manufacturing. He was always five steps ahead. And in the beginning, we didn't see it. And you'd kind of fight him. And then you'd get down the road and be like, damn it, he was already here. He was mm-hmm. here. I was five steps back. And yeah, then- and you didn't even realize he was there because he's like that far. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's that's a cool thing. It's cool to have somebody like that, like almost, I don't want to say at our disposal because it's not that, but, you know, somebody that's like on our side that's, you know, ready to like swing for the fences with us, you know. Like, yeah, he's very kind. He's like mentoring us yeah. and trying to teach us what he knows, you know, which I could never learn what even close what he knows in a lifetime, yeah. right? Like he's... Anyway, we're very fortunate and I just yeah. want, I don't know if Frank's going to listen to this or not, but I want to make sure he's recognized because the forge is way better than it used to be now, yep. you know, and um, it's going to continue driving forward. And it's largely with his help. You yeah. Know? It's so cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's, I mean, just seeing the updates that you guys have worked on together, like this new version of the forge that's shipping now is fucking insane. Like yeah. it's beautiful, dude. And like, like you said, it probably wouldn't have occurred without having his it wouldn't have occurred. it wouldn't have. Wouldn't it have would no, not like, no. so i yeah. big shout out to that guy because we like i said we'd be pretty far up shit creek right now without that i don't even know what we'd be doing 
just even our process of manufacturing, it's pretty insane. Just like when we were drilling the hole, this, that, like just what you know and your etiquette, I was just like, wow, you know, like how easy it is to break bits on those WDT tools. And you're like, no, and you need to like, just on the lever, just how you're pushing it down, it needs to be feathering and like yeah. waiting till you feel that little bit of resistance and then backing out. And I don't know, it's just cool to see. When it's like, I mean, I feel like having him on our side is really good too, because it's like, you know, we always relate things back to riding bikes, right? But like, we know how to do those things because we've done it for countless years. It's the same thing with Frank. Like yeah. He has those countless years of like insane different types of manufacturing like that like you can't like you can't buy that skill set. Yep. Like you have to you have to earn that. And so to have somebody like that that's hanging out next to us, it's like, yeah, what you guys are thinking about is smart, but that's completely wrong. Here's how you do it and here's how you do it really well. Yeah. You know, we're we're able to skip to the front of the line. You know, think about how much stuff you've learned over the last, you know, six months through him. I had his like spinning most yeah. of the time I'm with him, you know. And yeah. And he let he's he's such he a makes good you learn. Yeah. He makes me learn. He'll let he lets me fail and lets me makes me squirm a lot. I'm yeah. like, Oh, am I gonna hit the right button or am I programming this right? And he almost always lets me screw it up and then he's like, Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. But that's the only way you learn, right? Yeah. Like and I think that's cool. It's cool to have a mentor like that that's like allowing you to fuck up. Yeah. You know? Because like, he wouldn't have to. It'd be easier for him just to like do it. Yeah. Here, this is how you get do out it. of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah. Um and there has been a time or two he's definitely like done that. And there's also been a time I've asked him to do that. Yeah. I'm like, man, we we're out of forges. I gotta make more. Can you like yep. 100%. Can, can we not learn today? And he's yeah. like, hundred percent. And he's like totally game. That's you know? so cool. Yeah, he's always innovating everything. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, he's like five steps ahead of where you are all the time. And yep. Just uh, and he's very humble about that too, which is sick. Like, there's not a lot of people that can be that far ahead of you and like teaching you something and like not be like, "Hey, you're an idiot," kind of thing, you know, or like right. demeaning. It's it's cool to see that. So big yeah. shouts out to that man. I got to give a shout out to his shop too. Like, I feel like somebody like you were saying, CNC shops are very dark and whatever. He's got like tomatoes growing it's just yeah. well lit it feels so good in there like so lively good. and just every time i'm in there I'm like this is fun you it's know it's always clean like just everything about there's it. a lot of pride involved in what he does which is cool you yeah. know yep. and that's like i think that's another big thing you know why we've lined up so well with him too is like he sees the intention he sees the passion and he has that instilled in what he's doing too i see it with his kids you know like yeah. he gives a shit and yeah. the more people we can be around that give a shit it's really freaking cool so yeah. but um yeah let's wrap this I think, up yeah. i think we, we kinda... should talk about the anvil real quick too the anvil yeah yeah you know talk well, about that's a ways out yeah. that's a ways out yeah but, but like that's coming. i think that's going to be a huge cool thing too you know like yeah. for the people who are pulling shots on the forge in their kitchen like obviously it works incredible as is right. but we want to create something that is a little more user-friendly for people who are using the forge primarily in their kitchen yeah so what we're working on is a stand that we're calling the anvil that the forge will essentially thread into and when it's threaded in it will have a normal like cafe style porta filter that yeah, locks handle. in yep. yep so that'll make it a little easier for you to like you know knock your puck out in a knock box and like yeah and it'll have a steam wand so you can steam milk yep. yep um it will we don't plan on having to boil water yep right like you'll still pour the water directly out of the kettle because that's intentional we believe that's the best way to control your water temperature totally yeah. because it's boiling it's the perfect Yep. every time i mean like there's no fluctuation in that the water's boiling you pour it in right exactly but but having that ability to steam milk we definitely have to recognize there's a large customer base who want to buy the forge but 
want a cappuccino or a macchiato. Which they can't at the moment. They can buy a stovetop steamer. Like like the the Bellman. Bellman. Yeah. And what's so cool about the anvil, like Mike was saying, it threads in. And you have your porta filter handle, the wood, nice one. And if you want to go on your your trip, you unthread it, take the stand that it comes with, and that's your to go stand. And yeah. but then you have a home stand. Come back home, thread it in. You got shots all day. And what's it, so cool about it? There's it, nothing like that on the market no. that I've seen. The, the only be the thing. only one like that. Yeah. yeah, only one. It's like you're not. You and that's it. like the beauty of it, right? Like there's some other there's some other ones out there. There's some very like transportable, you know, espresso machines, but they're. You're not, it's not creating true espresso. Yep. You know, we, right. we love the AeroPress, but like you're not pulling an insane shot of espresso on there. You're only you getting a one or two bar. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's not possible to build the pressure. And like, so being able to have something where you can literally have, you know, what's comparable to a $30,000, $40,000 espresso machine on your kitchen counter. And then you take it on a trip to the mountains or like, you know, we talked about earlier, but I'm like pulling shots of espresso on the beach. Like, that was one of those moments where it like really hit me where I was just like, everybody on the beach was like walking up, like, what are you doing? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cause if you've never seen the forge, it looks kind of crazy. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm literally pulling shots for like random bystanders and they're just mind blown by the, how good it tastes. And it's like, that was one of those really cool moments where I'm like, I can't, I know like I'm in Southern California, there's insane cafes everywhere, but I know that like, I can't really go anywhere and get a shot this quality just because all these cafes are doing volume and that's yeah. where their focus is. It's not on cranking out high quality. Because this is a craft product, right? Yeah. Like you, it's for people who want to make the perfect shot. Yep. Whatever that means to you, it yep. can be yep. different, right? Well, and that's like, it come, it all comes full circle to me. Like that's intention. People yeah. are intentionally wanting to make incredible espresso. You can't do that this at any is coffee the tool. shop. Because yeah. they're, they're pumping out high volume and they just can't. They don't have the time. Yeah, you can't get, get that nerdy with it, you no. know. Talking about intention, let's talk about our water cylinder. What was the intention around the volume? Is it? Do you, oh yeah, because it's like tall and narrow. It's like to create the. It takes a the least lot of pressure. Of power, yeah. yeah, to create the highest pressure for a shot. But what about the the amount? It's a perfect oh, ratio to one. Yep. to one to two or two to one ratio. So you don't even have to weigh out. Yeah. You just push it all the way down. It's the perfect amount of liquid. Yeah. When I think what you're talking about too is a good thing to touch on. Like, you know, the forge, like, you know, if you look it up, you'll probably see people saying like, you know, it's so tall or whatever, but you know, there's a lot of intention again behind that. Yeah. And the reason for, you know, the height and the narrow cylinder is because, um, is it Pascal's law? I think is what it is. So it basically says, um, the more surface area you have of water, the more difficult it is going to be to create pressure. So like, even if this, if this cylinder was double the width of what it was, you would double how much force it takes to, you know, create espresso right now. It only takes about 25 pounds of pressure easier than an arrow press. Yeah. Yeah. Like twice as easy as an arrow press and you're putting out 130 PSI, which is insane yep. with just 25 pounds of pressure, which is like. For reference, like that's just you're leaning into something. Yep. Like you're not, it's not hard, which is crazy to me. If like, you just have it close to the edge of the table and put your both your hands on it and just lean into it, it's crazy. In fact, like, you know, this is something I was thinking, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. It's it takes less pressure to brew on the forge than it does to tamp the coffee. Mm, you oh, know, wow. isn't yeah. that crazy? Like it takes 30 pounds of pressure, is like you know, the standard of how hard you're supposed to tamp your grounds. It takes less pressure to push the water through hmm. which is kind of crazy that to think about you know crazy so five pounds less pressure which is a significant amount when you think about you know yep. some of the other machines on the market that are requiring 50 to 60 pounds of force like i have a friend told me that one of the manual express machines they've used in the past is like i felt like i was going to get a hernia yeah 
and like, dude, that's insane to make coffee. Yeah. You know, but. And zero consumables. Yes. And, oh, and, that's no, good. Like, yeah. and like no weird gadgety things, the plastic. Yes. Or proprietary basket sizes, right? Like there's no consumables here. Yeah. There's no filters. The like, only it's a standard. There's basket. like two wear items, right? And that's an O-ring and a gasket. And the yep. gasket is something on any espresso machine. That's a wear item. Yeah. Um, and then we have two O-rings on the piston. Um, and those like. I had somebody in here yesterday asking me, they're like, how fast do those O-rings wear out? And I was like, well, we did, we've done events where we've done over 300 shots in one day. And like it, you know, yeah. I've never replaced one. I want to call Botsy and see if he's ever replaced one. I think if you're, you know, if you're keeping them lubricated and like yeah. you're using it often, I think that's the hard part. If you're not keeping them lubricated, they'll probably dry out. But yeah. like, right. I think most people that are, have a forge are probably going to be using it enough to where it's like, it's not going to be, I bet, I mean, you know, probably five to 10 years is probably the lifespan you'll get out of it. And if you don't, if you break one, they're what, you know, a dollar. They're so not cheap. Not even. Not, not even. even. Dollar, they're so cheap. And we ship it with two free ones. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess we should uh, touch base on grinders. I think that's the biggest question we get because mm. there's a lot of people that try like espresso um, takes a different grind than pour over. Right? Yep. It's, a, it's a little bit finer and there's certain grinders that are made for espresso and certain that are made for pour overs yep. and some that do both. Yeah. Um, I but, think our biggest question is like, can I use a blade grinder? The problem with a blade grinder is that you're just crushing up. There's no, there's no consistency. There's no control over yeah. the grind. Um, but something like the Barazza Encore, it does both. Like we have one here, it blows for under 200 it's bucks. Insane. Yeah. And the cool thing, like if you're, if you're listening to this and you have a Barazza Encore and you want it to grind finder, um, just Google like, uh, burr carrier adjustment for the brats encore and like there's just a little set screw on the inside then you can make it grind a little finer and like or you can get the burr upgrade which is what we have and i think yeah. that was 60 bucks and it you know that grinder now all all in is probably what 220 dollar grinder with that yeah. burr upgrade and it like it's insane it blows my i, I like kind of wrote it off in the beginning mm -hmm. and now i'm like this thing yeah because what because i would like use it a couple times and you'd be like no way it's working and i'm yeah. like dude go use it yeah. like it and works it's, great. I mean, we've taken it to yeah. events, like, and that, I mean, that Barazza also is like, when did you get that thing? That's probably six years ago you got, cause yeah. I bought it from you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like it, that thing's been around for a minute. And so like, it's cool to see like, you know, that you can have a grinder that can do both. Cause not a lot of grinders are good in that way, but yeah, blade grinder. If you have a blade grinder and you have a little extra money sitting around, get a Barazza. Yep. It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth so it. So you need like a, a burr grinder. Um, James Hoffman has a really cool like intro to coffee grinders. Mm -hmm. um, if you're interested in grinders, just go to YouTube, James Hoffman grinders, it'll pop right up. And he really explains the difference between blade and then just a different um, conical versus flat burr. It sounds complicated, but it's really not. Um, but yeah, if you're trying to get into espresso, 150 bucks you can have the perfect grinder that's literally going to last you a lifetime yep. so okay. and one thing i want to point out with the forge is like and compared to expensive machines yeah nothing can go wrong on this yeah i mean it's stainless steel i mean even the aluminum one nothing it's engineered to be perfect and nothing can change yeah there's, there's no, no computers there's no moving parts like yeah, yeah. so like if, yep. you're, if you have an issue making a shot i don't we've it's always the grinder yeah you know or someone's using pre-ground pre coffee yeah. or something like and that's not an espresso forge unique item. No. that's that's espresso in general yeah like any espresso you can is have a craft item you can have a forty thousand dollar espresso machine and if your grind is off or, or if you're using pre-ground coffee or hell if you're using old coffee yeah you're gonna have a lot of issues yeah, yeah. 
So. Talking about, I mean, let's go. I bought a Slayer. I bought a ten thousand dollar espresso machine. I don't know how I convinced myself it was a good idea, but it did start traction. We've talked about it, but it comes to me the it doesn't work. There was a um, wire that I mean just got jostled around. I I love it. That machine is great. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like any machine, stuff goes wrong. Yeah. You know, any electrical machine is going to have problems. Like I had a pump go out. I had, um, I mean, I had this thing for years, but you know, I've had. Bossy's had that forge for seven years now. Nothing's going to go but wrong. But also, that's like, so- when, when the pump went out, like, thankfully, like, you know, we've already talked about it, but you, you're you obviously able to work on shit yourself. But, like, totally. if, I mean, an espresso tech for a high-end machine, you know, that's what, they're usually $200 an hour. hour. Yeah, well, totally. and you're without your machine. You got to yeah. schedule them, get yep. them to come in. Like, the forge never breaks. Yeah, yeah, I felt bad. Like, I didn't want to, like, dislayer or anything, like... And that's why I kind of bailed off on that. But like, yeah, stuff does break yeah. and on, yeah, on like any, on anything, and anything. Right. And, you know? uh, but yeah, the heating element went out, the pump went out, like all these things over the years and just simple, man. Like it's just, it works. Yeah. It's, it's simple. It's minimal. It's simple. Yeah. It's impactful. It's never going to break. And well, we're finding a lot of people are buying these that have expensive machines at home. Yeah. yeah. Really. Including myself. I have a, not a slayer, but like a, an expensive machine. And I mean, I have this because it's consistent and I can take it anywhere. Yeah. So I, there's no compromise in my coffee game when my wife and I are on the road. Right. Yep. But also like my, what's funny is my espresso machine at home, the, the expensive machine one is just a steam wand. Yeah. Like a steam I, wand for the forge now. For the forge. Yeah. And it's I have so a Bellman stovetop, yeah. but like, it's just funny. Like, and if I make it with my machine, Lara will like my wife notices immediately. Cause it tastes just like a little less, flavorful right yeah. like i mean you can t- taste the difference when it's from the forge and poured right it's just better yeah. yeah yeah i think it's yeah i don't know i'm stoked that it's something that we can be passionate about i feel like there's not just in espresso machines but there's a lot of you know products on the market that you know the founders aren't exactly stoked about what they're doing they just know that they can sell them and it's like i feel very proud with pretty much everything that we do that it's stuff that we can stand behind and be very excited about and like there's a lot of integrity in what we do and we use them every day ourselves like and we are as hands-on as we are with it. So there's there's something cool about that to me. I if, love, yeah. I was going to say, it feels good for me, like, compared to my machine, again, at home and the, the, the espresso forge. I'm, like, connected to my coffee in the morning. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm my hands-on. I can feel the water pressure and feel it pulling. And I don't know. It's become, like, this ritual where it's, like, almost, it's calming. Yeah. Right? Like, it's me. It's real. Yep. It's, it's, well, it's, like, like in, making a shot. Very analog. I feel like going back to like, you know, we're all, we already talked about it, but like how like the control control is an illusion kind of thing. And you always know something's going to be fucked up. But like, I think that is something of beauty with the forge is like, it's not much can go wrong. Like we've said. So like you're, you do have control. Yeah. It's that it is very, it is a very ritual based thing. Cause you can like, you can count on it every morning, you know, talking about like, your machine that you know the pump went out on it's like you, how bad was your morning that day when you walked out and you couldn't pull a shot of espresso yeah like that's a bad freaking day like yeah i don't know there's a lot of beauty in like something that is consistent that you can count on so yeah. and i'm finding like more and more like a little two o'clock pick me up yeah like i don't need a full latte but like i just want like a little shot poured over like a thing of ice cream or yeah, yeah. You know, at the pub, we were making some drink with, I don't know, Mike had some alcoholic drink. We were yeah. pouring a shot of espresso into right on the bar. It was, Hell yeah. It was like over the, fo- under the forge. Yeah. He made some, I don't know what, he, you know, he's a, some sort of like whiskey, great espresso. Bartender, right? yeah. yeah. Mixologist, whatever. But like, yeah, he was using the forge, but 
that's what's fun. You can take it with you somewhere at a party or. Yep. Well, we even have yeah. like in the back of the building we're in here, we have a distillery that's local to here in Longmont called Copper Sky. And the founder of Copper Sky like popped into here one day. I just, I just had the door open and I was here by myself and he was like, kind of popped, popped his head in and he's like, can I come in and check it all out? And like, you know, I showed him the coffee stuff and then started telling him about the forge and we're standing, like we have an assembly area in the front of the building, which is separated from the roasting in the machine shop. And I'm like explaining to him, I'm like, yeah, we make these in house. He's like, oh, that's cool. You guys put them together. And I was like, no, like that CNC machine over there is what we make these on. And like seeing how stoked he was about that. And then he was just like, dude, we need these in our bar exactly what you're talking yeah. about it's like it's such a different like that's so much more approachable for a bar to have an espresso forge than it is like you see all these fancy restaurants that have espresso machines but they never get used they're not getting maintained and it's like yeah. if you're making an espresso drink you need a forge on the counter yeah. it's cool and then like that also complements like in my opinion a like cocktail bar if i saw a mixologist like pull one of these things out and like set it in front of me and like pulled this beautiful shot with the naked portafilter, I would just be like, dude, what in the fuck <laughs> Here's is Here's a $10 tip. Dude, straight yeah, up. Yeah, like imagine cool. sitting there and like, I mean, even like yeah. I would love to see, you know, if you're a coffee shop owner and you're listening to this, like I would love to see at some point like forges make their way into cafes for like the higher end coffees, right? Like, you know, you can get like a, an AeroPress. Why not like have somebody like you, if you have a really cool geisha or something like yeah. mm. buy a forge, put it behind your counter. And like, instead of pulling it on the profile that you have set up for your house coffee, you can like have full control with one of these things and like yep. really make something cool. And it's an experience, yep. it's you know, it's like getting a pour over. Yep. I'm talking about copper sky coming in when you know you have people in like hey we make these and they're like oh cool yeah you assemble them i have that same thing yeah. happen to me and like All the we're time. yeah so now we actually make them but yeah. it's so foreign dude <laughs> like, like right now we're 20 feet from our cnc right now yep. right and uh it's so cool to have people in if there's anyone that wants to come in if they're in the boulder area yep. like we pull them a shot and then you walk out show them like the the Stainless Solid steel pot, stainless, yeah. yeah, and then you like walk over to the roaster and be like, "Hey, those that green coffee is right here. I roasted it on this. Yep. We make that machine right here." You, and then you pull them in, you pull them a shot, and their minds just like blown. And it's just like such a fun experience. It's a yeah. journey it's to so take them on, you know. And like, I'll still never forget. We all three of us were here one day, and we had a, a new client for traction coming to pick up some coffee, and. uh me and Sean were shooting some Espresso Forge videos. Whitey was machining something and we had the roaster going. So all the lights are off. We have all these studio lights. We have cameras out. The roaster's cooking coffee. The CNC machine is spinning. And this guy walks in with his, his kid to pick up, you know, his bags of coffee. And he looked at me like so confused. And he was like, uh, how did you learn how to do this? I was like, which, which part? Yeah. He was like, uh, all of it this is insane. And I was, you know, like we're both like, I don't know. Yeah. And then like, it was one of those things. Like it didn't hit me until later that night where I'm just like, it is so hard to kind of wrap your head around like what goes on inside of this building when it is just like full chaos like that. And we haven't had a day like that in a while, but like those days are always fun. Cause you get home and you're like fully defeated. But like you look at the amount of work that happened in these four walls and it's like, Holy shit. That's so cool. And like, yeah. we get to be a whole, like, group or team of people and we're just a small three or four dudes you know like it's yeah. pretty pretty fun it's cool to be a part of that and i can't wait to see like what that turns into over time as we grow and hopefully can add some employees to the team and yeah yeah well gotta thank you both of you dudes it's been a fun journey Fuck especially yeah. you for diving into andre and making this happen um 
I do think we should insert that Big D video with the chainsaw. Again, oh, yeah. we already did it in one video, yeah. but just for, because yeah. it's not here. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Big D, my dad. Yep. Is, uh, yeah. Like I said, it, driving back with my cheese curds. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I think we should just give a backstory before you wrap it up is that we had a, an Espresso Forge meeting one night and we all went around the table saying like, hey, like, like we all need to make, you know, Instagram videos and like be more present on the internet with Espresso Forge. Um, and Big D was just like, Sweet, I got it. And he was like the first one to like turn a video back. I don't and, like, think he's ever even seen it. Yeah, no, no, he has no idea. He's never been on social media. And we were like, hey, we need to make these catchy Instagram videos. We'll all take one a month. And uh, we were trying to delegate who was going to get the first month. And Big D was just like, I got it. And I was just looked at him. I was like, do you even know what Instagram yeah, is? And he's like, never I got it. Instagram. And then just comes out firing with the sickest video. Like the next day too. I mean, we didn't even try to follow it up. We, no. we could like, what do you follow How? that up we with? He kind of, it was so good. He ruined it for us. Yeah. <laughs> he is now the official Espresso Forge mascot, Big D, you know? And like, yeah, I don't know. That was like, we were all losing it. You know, that video is still one of my favorites. So we'll make sure it gets put in here. If you're listening to this, go to the Espresso Forge Instagram and uh, you can watch it there. Yeah. It's it's so good. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the whole story that we, up until now, I'm excited to see, you know, what the next year looks like for us. And if you guys have any questions about the Espresso Forge or coffee or anything of the sort you just want to say what's up as always just shoot us a message yep and for any uh you know people getting into business starting your own thing i think the takeaway from me is just get used to something being fucked up yeah. if you can get used to that and just keep moving forward no matter what you'll go insanely that, far. and like again I'll, I'll say it a million times but everything you're doing just do it with intention yep. you know it may seem very menial it may seem pointless but there's intention behind what you're doing. Other people are going to align with that. And like, you know, sometimes when there's intention involved, the the process is a little slower because you are going through all those things and trying to refine it because there is the intention, but the end product you're going to feel better about and people are going to be more responsive to it because you can, that, that shit is, it's very transparent. Yep. So, well, Whitey, you're the man. Thanks for coming on till next time. Yeah. Right on. Thanks guys. Well, Keep being scared and normal, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. See ya.